Dude, we are going to energize the country. Stop Brexit. No more Mr. Nice Guy. Seamus and Notch is a great idea. Hello and welcome to the Debated Podcast. Uh, as always, I'm your host, Will, and in this episode, I'm joined by a very special guest, uh, a great comedy writer, a BAFTA Award winner, and the author of a new book, uh, 52 Times Britain Was a Bell End, James Felton. Hello, James. Hi, Will. How are you doing? Uh, well, ah, I'm doing great. Uh, welcome to the podcast. Uh, so the first thing that I would uh, like to ask is we've obviously had um, a rather uh, big event today with um, the planned uh, proroguing of Parliament. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, yeah, it's been a pretty shocking day <laughs> today. <laughs> I've m- managed to uh, be incredibly busy during possibly one of the busiest days of the year, so I'm actually just catching up on it this evening. It's been um, it looks like it's been just about everyone begging to see the Queen, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Obviously, main takeaway is that it's all gone to hell. <laughs> I haven't really formed my thoughts beyond that yet. Um, uh, well, one of the sort of the, the, the other questions that I would like to ask is obviously, you um, tweet a lot about. Brexit and as a comedian you're able to bring out the um, funny side of it why do you think something like Brexit is such a source of comedy for people like yourself and for other comedians That's, it, you don't have to put a lot of effort in <laughs> um, <laughs> politicians are constantly doing things that are either funny in themselves or you can just look back two weeks and find something contradictory that they've said that'll be some kind of amusing juxtaposition. So, um, yeah, it's, it's basically, it's, I, I assume we're living through fairly unusual times and everything's gone mm. chaos and obviously there's quite a lot of funny and all the constant gaffes that are going on at the moment, but... Sorry, this is a bit of a rambling answer. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 it's fine, it's fine. Um, do you think that it can sometimes be a bit difficult, though, to joke about something that is also quite serious? Uh, yeah, there's obviously a lot of stuff that you don't want to joke about. You want to leave well alone. Um, but there's this, like, say, like the prospects of people not being able to get their diabetes medication. You mm. don't really want to joke about people dying or anything like that. Um, there's comedy to be found in elsewhere of the kind of farce of like Chris Grayling managing anything. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, there's certain topics that you generally just stay away, away from if you're going to be a, proper comedian (laughs) (laughs) um do you find it also difficult when you're making jokes when people will take what could be quite a a hyperbolic uh statement or an absurd take on what could be quite a serious matter and then take it just what you're saying quite literally seriously and will sort of like you know say you know you're being an idiot or whatever How, how, how does that sort of make you feel when you're when you're tweeting 
that's pretty constant. <laughs> um, <laughs> people take do tend to take things like at face value and not really realize what kind of try, point you're trying to make or mm. don't get basic exaggerations. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it's it's honestly fine. You just kind of ignore it, or ignore the people that aren't going to really get it, and just. <laughs> shut down all your notifications so that you see his praise. That's my tip. (laughs) (laughs) Um, How do you think people react when, say, for example, they will see you and they will know you for having made jokes about particular things, but you might be making uh, a serious point about something. Do you think that it, it can sort of like, perhaps sometimes undermine if you're making a serious point, if people just cons- uh, consider you and sort of like see you as a comedian? Um, uh, I I, for some reason, I don't really get... Um, for some reason, people do let me do both. I don't know why, mm. <laughs> but <laughs> like, if they'll accept it, if it's, my Twitter feed's pretty jarring, it'll go for one minute from just, like, I don't know, some kind of ridiculous joke that hmm. yeah anyway some kind of ridiculous joke or photoshop or something and then the next minute i'm mouthing off about boris johnson and in quite a serious way or talking about anything really and for some reason even though people get whiplash from it, it they just go along with it i don't get too much stick to comedy hmm. or stick to serious points or anything like that uh, no idea why, <laughs> but there seems to be a lot of comedians at the moment that are on Twitter making mainly serious points, like Mitch Ben makes mm. a lot of serious points, but obviously does some jokes as well. Marina Hyde, she does some extremely funny columns, but she can obviously do serious stuff even within the same column, and no one bats an eyelid. Yeah, I think people just expect it now. You just kind of have, you kind of present everything of you on Twitter (laughs) (laughs) rather than just your jokes. Do you think that that can sometimes have sort of like, uh, like perhaps maybe a um, self censoring uh, inhibitor to what you're saying, because something that you may have sort of like thought of a joke and you might be about to, to, to write it or to tweet it or whatever, but then you think, Oh, well, this could be sort of like seen as 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 being overly serious. Does 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 that ever happen where you sort of like self censor a bit? Uh, yeah, but yeah, yeah, uh, self censor hell of a lot. But normally, deleting something about five minutes after I put it out, <laughs> I think <laughs> like this is way too serious and really boring, and just <laughs> the fact really. Um, but yeah, no, no, I do plenty of self-censoring of <laughs> the duller, serious stuff because I don't want to be known as someone who moans <laughs> <laughs> rather, than, rather than as a comedy writer. Yeah. Um, now, I just, I've, I'd like to move on uh, to the book, which is coming out soon. I just wondered, and you talking about, um, you know, sort of like having to mute notifications, all that sort of thing. A lot of people seem to, um, when the book was announced, to, to prejudge the contents of the book and got quite upset uh, about it. 
do you think that this is sort of like a, a problem that we have not just in social media but perhaps in in politics as well where people will see something and see sort of like a part of it and just think oh well this is horrible you know this has to be um, boycotted or censored or whatever and this can then sort of like harm uh, the the broader discussion yeah definitely yeah um people react before they've really comprehended things <laughs> it's it's a pretty big problem online or not well obviously you've seen many many people just reacting to an article they haven't read <laughs> yeah um i think it's pretty yeah it's pretty harmful that we do this i'm sure i've done it myself in the past as well but <laughs> Yeah, um, people people think it's mainly specific to kind of sites like Twitter. If I'm honest, just um, mm. people wanting to have an have a have a take and put an opinion on it themselves, rather than really try and engage with whatever it is. <laughs> yeah, just, um, want to jump on the outrage band bandwagon. I don't know if you've um, come across much John Ronson stuff on this. But oh yeah, public shaming and stuff like that. Yeah, They're quite a common thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you think that part of the the reason that there was a a reaction to the book was perhaps not just because of Brexit, but um, more broadly speaking, that we have a, an overly nostalgic and perhaps overly protective view of our place in the world and of British history? Uh, yeah, I definitely think there's some of that. Um, I got, there was quite a big reaction from two sides. Um, it was, so it was a fun, fun few days. Um, <laughs> from uh, Brexiters who, uh, you even get the really strange ones saying this is completely unpatriotic. Why do you hate the UK and stuff like that? And if you don't like it, leave. <laughs> <That kind of thing. laughs> Which is, again, they haven't read it. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then from the other side, it was people who were thinking that I was going to be laughing at atrocities, which again, I wouldn't do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So from the Brexiters, yeah, there's definitely quite a lot of, um, people who see us as quite a big force for good um, and don't like to read anything that would go about that against them. Um, Yeah, I think there's been, obviously, throughout politics over the past few years, we've seen a lot of cherry-picking from Brexit politicians about what Britain is like as a country, our blitz spirit and our Dunkirk spirit and... (laughs) Yeah, really a very small proportion of the war spirit, um, uh, and I think so. For them, I think they didn't like the idea that it's just going to be a book filled with times we're horrible. <laughs> um, how much do you think the way that people perceive? Um, books on history like for example um, your book that's coming out and say for example the horrible history Terry Deary's horrible history books how much do you think people perceive it more as just you know not to say that um, the, the book obviously doesn't have a serious point but to say that they take it as you know 
really, really very seriously without seeing that it is also uh, a, a book that does have jokes in it and does have comedy in it. Do you think that they sort of like perhaps negate one aspect so that they can latch onto another and say, oh, well, you're not telling history as it should be told? Um. I think I'll probably have that at some point. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's it's quite yeah. It's so it's you you're not going to get any real like in depth historical analysis. Mm, yeah, like kind of. Um, I'm I'm no like major historian that's going to reveal something massively new to proper historians. I'm just like someone who's just trying to make like quite a uh, quite a fun funny book about um, history. Um, it's basically kind of if you like if you like kind of comedic writing about uh, well if you. Yeah, sorry, I'm terrible. I've never done a podcast before and I'm just going to ramble and ramble. It's all right, though. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so it's, it's, it's definitely more on the, here's like a fun kind of novelty book. Like, if you want to learn a bit more about British history, there'll be plenty of little surprises in there for um, general people, probably for some historians as well, because it's just like such a broad um, mm. array of stories. But mainly you'll you'll just get kind of a f- fun overview of these stories um, with plenty of jokes the whole way through and that kind of thing. It's so if you're coming to it expecting, I don't know why you would <laughs> um, <laughs> for a book titled Fifty Two Times Britain Was a Ballend with lots of cocks drawn on on the front. <laughs> I don't know why you'd expect like a really serious historical tome. Then you. You'd be disappointed. <laughs> ignored a lot of red flags, yeah. <laughs> but you would be disappointed. But if you if you want just like a fun novelty book that's yeah. quite funny, then you you will enjoy it. Yeah. In um in writing the book, did your opinion about any facet of British history change? Um. So, uh, so I, I've, I've like studied quite a lot of history at uni, um, did, mm. um, sociology and history. So I wasn't that shocked by anything. <laughs> with yeah, um, and I, I know plenty of horrible things we've done throughout history, but it's yeah, it plays on your mind a bit when you're sat there looking at a yeah. big long list of atrocities and just horrible little things that we've done in the past and. Yeah, um, does kind of make a lot of current events make a bit more sense, <laughs> more continuation than a surprise. <laughs> um, what was the research process for the book like? Because did you intend from the beginning to um, to have it as a book that would look at sort of the 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 darker side uh, of British history or was it originally just intended as sort of like a more general history book that as you were researching drifted more towards the sort of like the, the dark? Um, 
Mm, kind of. Um, so, so I was approached with the idea from the publishers in the first place. Mm-hmm. And they wanted to kind of. Um, that uh, they just wanted like a, collect, a fun collection of fifty-two things times we are a ballad, basically. Um, and <laughs> it just it took me off in all kinds of different directions. And I wanted to have like a healthy mix. I was slightly worried the whole time if I didn't include the really horrible stuff that I'd be hounded for that. <laughs> and, um, so I did include like plenty of those, but then I didn't want to make it just this horrible, depressing, horrible, <laughs> yeah. horrible look at history. Um, Cause it's a, meant to be a fun book by a comedian. So I tried to throw in as many kind of fun, wacky things as possible um which so there's a healthy mix of all of them um with a tendency towards the more fun stuff to make it bearable to read <laughs> <laughs> um just moving back more to sort of uh recent politics now with the, the the situation that we're having with brexit and the deadlock in parliament there's been a lot of uh, rumors as to uh whether there will be a general election or not. What potential comedic opportunities do you think that there could be from a general election this year between uh, Boris Johnson, Jeremy Corbyn and all the other parties? Uh, the obvious funny main, like <laughs> funny objectively, not funny for our futures. <laughs> <laughs> would be to for everything the numbers to end up exactly the same <laughs> yeah forming the exact same government with all its problems <laughs> um, there's yeah um comedically that would be the ideal <laughs> i hope <laughs> <that happened. laughs> not yeah as funny as it would be <laughs> some way out um, but yeah, mainly m- the whole prospect terrifies me. <laughs> worried about Brexit. Obviously, the Brexit Party probably will pick up a few seats, especially if mm. they do go into this non-aggression pact that they've been talking around about with the Conservatives. Well, uh, obviously, it's only the Brexit Party that've been talking about it so far. But I think that mm. the Conservatives possibly going for it if they win a Parliament. Um, yeah, so mainly a hellscape, maybe a few cheap laughs. Do you ever find that your own personal politics sometimes influences the way that you tell jokes? Because, of course, a lot of people will, you know, sort of like attack you for being like, oh, we're lefty comedian or whatever. But do you ever think that it, it, it sort of like drives you in a particular direction looking for jokes or are you sort of like equal opportunity? Um, I'm definitely less harsh on my own side, which mm. is bad probably, but <laughs> I don't like to spend my time arguing with people who I feel to be on my own side. So even if I have a fairly good joke about the left, sometimes I'll just kind of ignore it. <laughs> <laughs> Let it die, maybe DM a few friends <laughs> rather than tweet it out. Um, 
so yeah, um, now definitely look for it. Definitely influences the jokes I'll make, and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a, it's quite interesting you say that because I was just wondering, does the fact that you have quite a, a large following on Twitter and obviously your particular politics influences the way that you joke, do you ever sort of like um, worry about, say, if you're making a, a joke about a particular person, that that might negatively impact on them and that people that follow you might, you know, be sort of like a, a bit harsher towards them? than perhaps you might have originally intended to be with your jerk? Um, so I'm very selective with targets. Mm. <laughs> Jokes now. Um, respect, well, to be honest, since I've had about 10,000 followers, I don't quote tweet anyone smaller than me. Like yeah. anything smaller than that. I, to be honest, I don't quote tweet people unless they're really like, MPs or mm. things like that, and just because I don't think it's fair to swamp people with like or dogpile or anything like that. Um, yeah. So I'm quite selective. Maybe occasionally, like with an MP, I'll say something too harsh and I'll feel bad about it. But <laughs> yeah, and I'm try to be as measured as possible and don't want to like incite people to dogpile anyone or anything like that i think Mm. a lot of people should do that more (laughs) like should (laughs) like stop quote tweeting people a lot smaller than you and things like that because obviously it's not not nice being on the receiving end of it so Mm. not many people experience that um do you think that that's sort of a, a symptom of the political climate that we are in at the moment because you know say if someone had made a joke about someone else on twitter eight nine years ago then there might not have been the same sort of like visceral uh, and polarized reaction that we have now do you think that that's something that's bled in from politics into into everyday life um i wasn't really around on twitter so It's definitely been obviously politics is a lot more, as far as I can tell, from my vantage point, a lot more polarized polarized than it was. Everyone's quite angry, sometimes with a lot of good reason, and Mm. lashing out a lot more, dividing into factions, (laughs) (laughs) various opposing hashtags. Yeah, I, I think yeah, it's just. Politics plus anonymity to <laughs> hell site. I don't really know. Yeah. Does, um, because uh, you've worked a lot in TV and radio and you want a, a BAFTA for the, the Dog Ate My Homework, um, does the, the medium of writing in TV and radio, as opposed to, say, writing a, a non fiction book, like 52 times brings a bell end. Um, does that change the way that you approach your comedy? Does your, your style change at all in the different um, types? Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. It changes a hell of a lot. Um, 
just uh, just writing for a different imagined audience and trying to fit in with, say, Radio 4 TV, um, Radio 4 6 o'clock slot. I wouldn't write any of the jokes that I'd normally write on Twitter. Like, <laughs> and same for uh, writing for children's TV. I guess I just swap the word shit and replace it with fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I think it'll be that effective. <laughs> oh. Yeah, no, there's definitely a huge difference between the mediums. Uh, we're reaching the end of the podcast. Thank you very much uh, for being on, James. It's been great to have you on. Thanks for having me. I would uh, just like to ask you one question. Uh, today, Detectorists found um, the second largest hoard of Norman Conquest coins in the country. And my question to you is, if you did ever become a detectorist, or if you ever uh, used a metal detector, what would you hope to find? Um, a massive stash of money wouldn't go amiss. <laughs> um... Yeah, uh, beyond a massive stash, massive stash of money, something saleable. <laughs> <laughs> My imagination is failing me. <laughs> Just look. The problem is, I'm sat here with like a stack of bills in front of me. <laughs> it's clearly playing on my mind a bit. <laughs> you know, well, I, well, I, I think most people can can sympathise with that, and will probably uh, agree to finding a massive stash of money that will be good um uh, well thank you for being on the podcast uh, it's been great to have you uh, the book is out on the 17th of october uh if it has sounded like an interesting book to you then i would suggest that uh, you buy it uh, if you've enjoyed this podcast make sure to subscribe to us on itunes and spotify you can follow us at debated podcast on twitter like us on facebook um See you next time.